For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? Before we begin, I want to say that I, my prayers, my thoughts and prayers are going out to Cuba and to Florida tonight. I hope that you're safe uh, and that uh, you are uh, well taken care of. Uh, contrary to what your governor is telling you, get lots of water. Get it. If the shelves have it, get it. I want you all to be safe and sound. What are you celebrating today? I am celebrating the incredible Nicole Henry. I have been listening to her all afternoon. And as a result, I am in the greatest mood tonight. And Nicole just arrived in her hotel. She literally <laughs> ran in to do this interview tonight. So I am thrilled that you said yes to being here because you are one of the hardest working women in show business. Where are you tonight, first of all? Well, actually, I'm on a quick a mini vacation with my mom and my sister in New Orleans. We just arrived truly within the last hour. <laughs> wow. And you are so, on a vacation and you're here with me tonight? Uh, yes, because, you know, we had to reschedule a couple of times and I was like, I can't continue to do this. I was like, I'm just going to do it. So it's, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be fun. And so and I love that you that was so sweet when I got online and you were like, have your mom and your sister join us. That was so sweet of you. That was she so threw sweet them of out of the room, folks. I, I was like, mom, it's happy hour. Downstairs is happy hour. No. <laughs> so you literally so just got into new. Uh, I mean, uh why New Orleans? Have you been? I've never been to New Orleans. You know, oh, interesting that you say that. Um, the last time I happened to be here, my mom was actually working still, and she was down here for a conference. So I came and joined her, and it just happened to be the French Quarter Festival. So I wound up seeing some great live shows for free down at the French Quarter. Um, and of course, we had beignets, and we went to Acme Oyster House, which is where we're going to go for dinner tonight. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful city. It's really cool, and I'm excited because when I go to different towns, I love doing like tourist things. So we're going to get on the bus tomorrow and do like the whole you know get the words about the different neighborhoods. So uh, yeah, but what was really exciting, we wanted to do this trip because for years, my mother's been talking to my sister and I about how she remembers taking this road trip, flying into Pensacola for some reason, and then renting a car and driving from Pensacola and taking the scenic route along the water into New Orleans. So I, I, like about two months ago, I was like, mom, we're just going to do it. Let's stop talking about this. We keep putting it off and putting it off. So we booked the hotels and the car and the flights and all that stuff. So my sister and I went to go to Philly, which is where, where I'm from, where I was raised, born and raised, uh, picked up my mom, got things packed up and then came down this morning. Oh, that is so wonderful. So thank you for asking. It was well, it's fun it's, to talk about. I am, I'm thinking of the expression of Busman's holiday uh, because you truly are uh, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, but I'm going to repeat it. You are truly one of the best jazz vocalists mm. on the planet. Uh, That's and beautiful. Uh, no, it's true. Oh, thank you. It's true. You. So um, when you go on vacation, uh, yeah. some people just want to get a break from it. But you mm. obviously love going to see other artists. I do. I do. I love. I love checking out new artists, and I love checking out who is local and great too, because there's so many artists 
on an international level, but, you know, throughout the country that just don't always get the due. They're just due. And, but they're great. And maybe it's just a matter of know-how or attention or luck, you know? So that's always fun to just see who's around and who's hot. Um, You know, right now the country is in still picking up, you know, that mode. We're still getting back on track. So I searched and uh, the only place that I saw that had somebody uh, was um, Preservation Hall. And then there are some local places, but they still, you know, it's Tuesday night. So we'll see what happens Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see what what, uh, what gives. Well, from what I understand, there's a lot to be found in New Orleans. So I don't think you're going to have any trouble finding it. I I'll be searching. I'll be searching for sure. <laughs> So a little bit, uh, you, I know that you're with your mom and your sister, but growing up, I mean, are there other uh, siblings or is it just you and your sister? Just me and my sister. That's it. And yeah. older, younger? Where She's do you older. Think? She's just two years older. So and yeah. does she have the same bent that you have? No, she, she actually works in hospitality in Miami beach and, and has been doing that for 15 years. Um, now, and it's hard to get out of Miami beach right now because I understand it is pouring there downpour my friends like there's like a tornado watch even um i haven't checked in in the last couple hours but it was it was like torrential downpour you know you look at it, it's like 100 percent rain today so i'm hoping uh i haven't heard anything but i do have to check in and see see what's going on i was behind the wheel all day yeah so i can't i, I you talked about our my my governor of florida which is i don't want to say my governor because I didn't vote for him, but um, did he really tell people not to worry about water and not? To he, water? Well, his his comment was, uh, if you don't drink a lot of water, don't get water. But it's not just about drinking water. Uh, you need water for flushing. You need water uh, for cooking. Uh, cooking. A lot of reasons. It was not a smart comment. And when he said no. that, I cringed over that. Yeah, uh, because yeah. obviously it was not a very smart statement to make. Uh, so uh, that's number. Of how many not com not smart comments to make <laughs> no but not to get too political but I just I I it, it disappoints me um, it saddens me how the the what's the word the 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 the, the story that people have created and that um, certain parties have created not not the whole party necessarily but just the how they're selling themselves and it's not true I, I just think that people people need to look out I wish government would look out for all of its constituents and I think that Amen. we moved away from that and uh, and you know who I feel the worst for um, is people who probably 50 to 70 percent of Americans that live at the poverty level, or obviously below the poverty level, and then just a little bit above it. Sometimes they're the ones that don't vote, and sometimes they're the ones that get ignored because they don't vote, and also because um, politicians are often mostly paying more attention. Not, not all, and not I'm not signaling you know one particular party, but I, I just wish we all really would take care of one another as a country and as a, as a, as a society in general around the world. Um, there's no need for hunger. There's no need for poverty. And these things can be eradicated because both of those things are very expensive institutions to carry. But some people make a lot of money on poverty and, and hunger, not so much on hunger, but on poverty. And I, and it's not, it's not a good business to profit from, but but some companies do. And I just wish that people would acknowledge that if all people in the world were thriving, 
then everybody would thrive and there's enough for all of us. So that's my that's my political statement of the night. I wish that that was well, I'm, that just, I'm glad you said on. this because every day I choose a word of the day and it becomes my mantra of the day, believe it or not. And I the word that. that I chose today is connection because we are all connected. And if people comment tonight with the word connection, they're oh. going to win your CD tonight. Oh, you I love it. Oh, right. I can give you a few CDs if we yes. have more than one or two. Yeah. Well, we can do that if you'd like. And I really appreciate yeah, your saying too. that. Uh, so cool. you heard it here, everyone. Yesterday so. was wisdom, right? Uh, yes, wisdom. that's right. And today you was connection. Watching. I love thank that. You. Of course. Thank you. Thank I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. So um, I want to ask... Uh, I want to go back, uh, the household that you uh, grew up in. Uh, you grew up in Philadelphia. Did you grow up in a musical household? In a sense that we listened to music a lot. My parents listened to music all the time. We used to complain when, my, when we would be driving to school, when we used to go to school in Philly, because we actually grew up in Bucks County. And we'd be like, oh, why do we have to listen to the oldie station? Why, mom, can't we listen to this? Like so thank God she did, because I know all the oldies music and all the great soul music from the 70s in, uh, in Philadelphia, Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, you know, all the great stuff. And then all the 60s, you know, so we listened to my mom's music and my dad's music. Um, and then we also listened to classical music a lot. My mom played classical piano, so we had a piano in the house. And on the weekend, she would always pull out her music and start playing and so we'd wake up to that. Um, we'd listen to gospel music a lot. And then my mom would dance with my sister and I, swinging out, she would call it. You know, the one, two, and one, and two, and, uh, uh, and one, and two. She would always be dancing with us. So in that sense, we grew up in a musical household. Um, my mom wasn't necessarily, after I think high school, she was, she was a concert pianist, but then she didn't do much more, but owned a piano. Uh, my dad loved singing in church choir, and his sister, however, to this day is still an, an amazing, magical, you hear her voice just talking and she, it's like, whoa. Uh, she sings backup for Patti LaBelle and has been doing so for at least wow. 25 years. So anytime you see her, see Patti on the road, my aunt's generally back there usually. And uh, now I will ask, did she uh, sing also with Sarah Dash? <sighs> oh, no, no. That was after, cause okay. that, remember LaBelle? Yes, LaBelle, we had an, a LaBelle album. Um, no, no. My aunt actually used to sing in her own band back in the late mid to late seventies, and they were amazing. Silk and Anglo-Saxon Brown, and it's funny. I was in the at a jazz festival in San Jose a couple weeks ago, and the gentleman who was driving me, he goes, "By the way, are you at all related to Debbie Henry?" And I was like. I don't hear that a lot, but I am. That's my aunt. He was like, oh my gosh, I remember when I saw her, I fell in love with her in somewhere in Massachusetts and Springfield or something like that. He's like, tell her I remember driving her back and I was like, get out of town. So, um, but she can, so in a sense, that's musically and vocally, I guess that's my connection to my family is, or is that's the, the, the lineage, if any. Um, but not otherwise, no. No. Wow. So you grew up in Bucks County. Uh, now, I, Bucks County is one of my favorite places on the planet. Mm. And uh, I used to perform at Odette's uh, in Bucks County. I uh, heard of that, yes. yes. And uh, other wonderful places, though, the uh, Bucks County Playhouse. I was just yes. there uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Get out. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, did you go to uh, a lot of uh, theater uh, also when you were growing up there? Uh, and because of the close proximity to New York City, yes. uh, did your family get to the city a lot? Not whatsoever. Not whatsoever. You know, it's interesting. I didn't necessarily grow up grow up uh, knowing a lot of musicals. 
listening to a lot of musical theater. Um, I, in fact, I remember specifically my mom, you know, if, if I would be doing something, my mom would be like, oh, Nikki, stop being so dramatic. <laughs> she was literally like telling me not to do what I was born to do. <laughs> so I remember not being dramatic. Don't be dramatic. But um, we grew up in the arts per se, like well, I was exposed to those things in school. Thank God my, my parents sought out a good school that had the arts. And so I studied uh, cello for six years growing up. I danced ballet. Um, so I was really blessed. And my parents were really intentional, thank God, uh, raising raising me. But no, we didn't, we didn't um, really grow up in that kind of a, a family. So the only time I remember going to New York City was to, to visit my aunt who lived in Brooklyn and we'd go to the Macy's one day sales after Christmas. <laughs> if you remember that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day when there was like two Macy's around the country. Yeah. So I asked for a photograph of you at five years of age. Uh, I'm going to pull this up. And the reason I asked, oh. I love this. I love this photograph. Um, there's look like her. To me, the five-year-old self is the purest self. It's before life begins to tell you who you should or should not be. Before teachers start telling you who you should or should not be. And life begins to tell you, put those layers on. So what do you recall looking at this photograph about this little girl? Uh, her dreams. Her you know, Richard... I'm so happy that you're asking me this question because I, I have an annual concert that I do in Miami uh, and it, I call it the winter concert, although it happens in the fall, but it's always in early December and, and I pick a theme every year. And this year, the theme is when I think of home. Oh. And, um, and so my friend who's helping me produce it, uh, a guy named David Sexton down in Miami, he was like, okay, are you gonna be able to be home anytime soon? I want you to think about what home means to you, you know, really go back, Think of like, he asked me a list of questions. And so when you're asking me this, this is so perfect for David, me. David, I hope now. you're <laughs> Right, right? I'll make sure he watches it. Um, first of all, my assistant sent that. So Joe, thank you for sending that because I she knows where those photos are. She is I, the best. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know where you got her, but she is absolutely phenomenal. So thank you, thank you, thank you. for her. She's on top of things. Um, I have a gratitude list that I write down. I try to do it every morning. Oh, and she's, she That's shows great. up, she shows up on there like at least every week. Um, and I think uh, it, does she have day. a twin, a clone? I would love to find an assistant like that. I will let her know. I will let her know you asked. I, but don't steal her. No, I won't um, steal her. Yeah, right, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's exactly um, what I'm looking for. She's, she's, she's a, She's so efficient. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could have a baby with you and be me and that baby, I would. It's like she's so efficient. I'm like, thank you for being for being with me. Um, you were asking me when I look at that child. You know, I love psychology and thinking about speaking to that child. And you know, the thing that I remember one memory, and I, I'm going to have to start going through these memories because I'm also studying storytelling and doing a deep dive into books about storytelling. I listen to The Moth a lot and I, I just bought their book about storytelling. Oh is that a great book? I love books. I love that book. So, so I, I, and, and they talk about, and sometimes I feel like I don't have stories because I kind of live life and I'm so in the moment. And I, 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 I have so many, I'm, I'm an awe of life. So I'm always amazed of life, but with life and and but because of my amazement i'm never shocked at what happens because life is miraculous just just as soon as we pop out we're like this functioning mm -hmm. being so i'm 
in awe every day like that I think and this this happens I mean how miraculous is that so sometimes I think well I don't think about stories because I'm never like more in awe than what happens at that moment so when I look back I'm like oh yeah well that happened because life is amazing but I need to learn how to look at my life and write down stories and the only story that I can remember from childhood that really shaped me and it because it was so traumatic to me one time in in kindergarten, I was going to school at Friend Select, which is this amazing Quaker school. I love Quaker schools. Um, and I had some good friends that were, you know, my girlfriends at the time. And I guess something happened. And Vivian did something to me and made me so mad. And I was so mad at her that one time during lunch, school lunch or something, I went and I stole one of her mittens and I dropped it down the drain in the playground. And then she couldn't find her mitten later on that day. And I can't tell you how horrible I felt. I was like, during, like I would ask to go to the bathroom and I'd get a twig and I went to the the lunchroom and asked for some jelly and I had a twig and jelly and I thought I'd be able to stick it and grab the, 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 the mitten and get it back. And I just couldn't get it. And I couldn't tell anyone that I did this to my friend and that I did that. I like, I think I remember like feeling so horrible and like making a vow that I would never do anything to anybody ever again. Like so mean, you know, like why I wasn't, I don't even know what she, I don't even know what she did, but so yeah. And I just, I, I had some, some amazing teachers growing up um, that stand out to me up in, at least through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I think I have like a block because my parents got separated when I was 11. So I think I blocked out a lot of stuff. But anyway, I remember that. So when I see that little girl, I think of like, that's what I think about. Like, I didn't mean to do anything bad and I never will do anything bad again to anyone ever again. <laughs> so that's, so thank you for asking. That's my story. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And I mean, and, you know, going through a situation where the parents do separate everything that creates, you know, a major change in the dynamics of growing up as well. Um, but at what point in your life did you realize that you had this gift uh, that you could create these incredible sounds that come out of you? Uh, well, I, I credit my fifth grade teacher um, at Cornwall's Elementary School. Uh, I won an award. Oh, I couldn't win the award in front of the whole school because I got there in third grade, but from third, fourth, and fifth grade, I had perfect attendance. So in honor of not being able to get the award from kindergarten to fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher said, oh, don't worry, I'm going to take you out for ice cream after school one day. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she was such a sweet teacher. She, We had ice cream and I remember sitting on like the one of the parking curbs and we just sat there and ate ice cream. And she said to me, she goes, you know, Nicole, you're really special and you have something special inside of you and you are very powerful. She said something like that. And she said, you're, you're just, you can, you're going to, you can do so much for people and just always remember that, that you, and I will never forget that. And that something about that changed my whole I want to talk being. about that for just a moment, excuse me, but because it, it was just you and the teacher and Imagine that time in our lives. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in the first grade, I'll share a story with you. I 
um, for Thanksgiving, uh, for Halloween, I brought a, I grew up on a farm in South Carolina. I brought a huge oh, wow. pumpkin to school. This pumpkin was bigger than me. Oh and my. I brought this pumpkin to school uh, for, uh, uh, for Halloween and we kept it there for the Thanksgiving display. And so wow. we checking out, we were getting out of school for Thanksgiving and Miss Meredith, my first grade teacher, she said, Ricky, as I was called then, you can take the pumpkin home. And I was carrying the pumpkin and it was so big that I couldn't, I mean, the bus left me. Oh! And when the bus left me, oh. I sat on this pumpkin, big enough for me to sit on oh and my. started to cry. And oh. I was sitting on this pumpkin crying when Miss Meredith came out of the school and saw me. And she says, don't worry, Ricky, I know where you live, I'll drive you home. And I think about, and Miss Meredith was so special to me. And our family moved um, in February. Uh, and I was traumatized because I didn't want to leave Miss Meredith. Oh. And we moved away. And it was the hardest thing in the world. And Miss Batten, my new first grade teacher, okay, I, I could not like her because she was not Miss Meredith. But I bring this up because how lucky we were at a time where we could bond in a way with our teachers that children are not allowed to nowadays. If a teacher so was to sad. take a student out for ice cream after class, charges could be brought against that teacher in today's Seriously, school. Seriously, you're right. That's a beautiful story, by the way. Uh, what, part of South Carolina? what part of South Carolina was that? Do you remember? Uh, just what outside of Myrtle Beach. Uh, Conway, oh, wow. Oh, sure. I've yeah. seen that sign on the highway. Um, I, you know, one thing that broke my heart was when my dad, my dad was a teacher after he had a career, a professional sports career, and then he became a teacher and an athletic director for a delinquent boys school in Philadelphia. So these boys had gone to juvie for whatever reason, but they all, they could attend this school and a lot of them lived in foster homes or their real homes. Um, so they were, you know, tough kids, but my dad being an athlete, an athlete, and then being just, he was such a gentleman. He is such a gentleman and he's just a good, if you met him, you, everybody loves him. And he's a handsome tall, six, nine and a half. Um, but he said, he, and when he told me he was going to retire from teaching in early 2000s, he said, you know, Nikki, it's just, I just, it's, I just can't do my job anymore. I can't, I can't pick the guys up from school, from home. I can't drop them off at home. I can't drive them in a the car. I can't, I can't jack them up against the door, the wall if I have to. Cause that's what you have to do to some kids. I know some kids, I know. and I'm and I'm telling you, not even the juvies, the kids in schools nowadays. You need somebody needs to jack them up against the wall. Not that they're no teachers. Are, I mean, my dad was never going to really hurt a kid. You know what I mean? But like you said, we were so lucky to grow up in a world where it wasn't as litigious as it is today. That people are out of their minds. And plus, I don't know where parenting is gone. And and I don't know when all these parents think they have to be best friends with their kids growing up. It's like, what? You're no. the parent. My, my father went to school the first day of school, all through, and I've told this story before, but all through the first grade, first through the sixth grade, and I was petrified he would do this in junior high. <laughs> he didn't. But he would take nice. us to school. And he would meet my teachers and he would say in front of the teacher, from the moment you walk into this classroom, that's your parent. And if they tell you to do something and you disagree with them, you'll bring it home and take it up with me and I'll take it up with them. But you don't talk back to them. You don't question anything they do. You follow their advice. 
And, and also, not that I'm, uh, you know, in favor of this, I'm definitely not in favor of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the idea that I could be paddled in school, put the fear of God in me, mm. and I never mm. crossed that line. Right. And, but right. I, even it was though, a fear of something. It was the fear, and I knew that there were repercussions if right. I crossed the line. And I feel that there need to be boundaries put on kids that are not there nowadays. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, it's a shame that uh, teachers cannot bond with kids the way that our teachers did. Because I have a special relationship with all of my teachers in school. Oh. And the bus drivers and the people that I went to school with. And uh, that are special memories for me. It's such a, it's a wild world now. I think so many things have changed and they'll never be the same, never be the same. You know, as I just had a, a friend of mine had his 50th birthday party last Saturday night and he invited people from his middle school years, high school years, people that got him into different, you know, different jobs and all parts of his life. And so we were all there and uh, we were talking about how much fun we had in Miami Beach in the 90s and early 2000s, but mostly in the 90s, when we can go out and have fun and not be on video camera the next day on social media, because we never would have had as much fun. Not that I did anything ridiculously sinful, or, but, uh, but you, can't, you can't even, you can't live without feeling like you're being judged or watched. And who wants to be under that microscope? all 24 seven exactly all the time and i feel so bad for children nowadays because they just don't have that childhood anymore i mean can you imagine kids I, I remember watching this on a 60 minutes special when they talked about kids and their cell phones somebody got grounded and they got their phone taken away from them for the weekend and the kid literally went into depression and was like oh my gosh what are they saying about me on social media i can't be there to defend myself and it's like <laughs> what yeah, I actually so anyway. had on one of my shows and she actually has a day that she has implemented a national holiday uh, where they advocate for kids to shut out for 24 hours. Brilliant. And uh, she, you know, and I was, when I heard about that, I reached out to her and she said, yes, she came on the show and we talked about the work that she's done and it's a whole movement. And Brilliant. I think that everybody... Uh, when this is over, I shut down for the night and my phones are off Good. until uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, and hopefully mm -hmm. you'll do the same thing tonight with your mom and your sister. Yes. Uh, but we want to talk about your singing. Okay. And, uh, oh, you. So uh, you uh, when you uh, did you start to sing in school uh, or where did the opportunities begin to happen for you? Yes, um, I was always in the school choir. I, I remember auditioning for a solo in third grade, and I didn't get it till fifth grade. <laughs> but that was fine. I was like, um, but yes, so you paid I, your I, was, dues. I paid my dues. I was still in the choir. I didn't quit or anything like that. But I, I was in the choir. Then I was in the choir in middle school. Uh, maybe I got a couple solos in middle school, as I recall. Never for the Hallelujah chorus, which I was like. I can do that stuff too. But um, but then come high school, I was like always singing because I was also, I happened to be a cheerleader. Um, you know, the kind that like we were always throwing mm -hmm. people up and doing the competition. <coughs> so I was there for the football games and the basketball games. I would always sing the national anthem, almost like at every game. Um, <coughs> and then 
then I would do talent competitions. It's like our local Lions Club happened to start doing talent competitions when I was a freshman in high school. So I would do that every year. Uh, so it was like just an opportunity and then church choir. So it was always just an opportunity to perform, which I loved. Um, and I kind of took it for granted and didn't think anything of it. Didn't think, oh, when I went to start picking my 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 focus of study for college out and picking colleges, I was like, well, I mean, why study music? I, I, I mean, I sing and what am I going to do with a I don't want to teach. So what do I do with a music career, a music degree? I didn't realize, I thought you just got discovered. I didn't know there was a real pathway, you know? So even though I learned arts in the school, I didn't realize nobody ever taught us like, oh, go study theater or go study music. And then that's where you make connections. And then you can go get jobs in the late in the area. And then you can learn how to write songs didn't understand any of that. So I never studied music, although I happened to be at the University of Miami, which has a great music school. Yes. So, um, yeah, so, so I, but people kept asking me to sing when they, when I would, again, in college, I would sign up for Miss UM or this pageant or just to possibly win scholarships and have a chance to challenge myself to like, do other things, you know, to learn what these opportunities were about. Um, and then I would keep winning. And so people would keep asking me to sing. The president of the university would ask me to sing the alma mater here and there. And it was like, okay. So I just was asked and I'd do it. And then fortunately, um, when I met my friend who just had his 50th birthday party, I was working on a, at a club in Miami Beach for three or four years. And um, there was this amazing DJ who heard that I sang because I was always singing along at the club. And my friend, Matt, was like, you guys should hear Nicole sing. You guys should hear Nicole sing. So I would sing, you know, whatever song was maybe playing. And then the DJ was like, oh, a friend of mine is making house music. Would you want to record some tracks? I was like, yeah, call me. So I recorded some, you know, some dance music tracks, 1996, 97. And he was like, oh, I want to start doing shows at raves and nightclubs. I was like, yeah, I've been to raves years ago, I can do that. No problem. That'll be fun. Call me. Called me. Start my first time performing as like a, a soloist. You know, it's different doing one song. You know, when you do one song, it's like, I did my song. But when you have a show to do, I had to do four songs in a row. So it's not like you just sing the song. You have to like communicate. Like to me, being an entertainer is in between the songs. You can be a singer, but to be an entertainer and a performer is what happens between the songs. Again, it's that connection. That was the first time in my life that I was nervous, like really nervous. I was sweating. I was like, oh my God. I, but as soon as I was done, I was like, this is the best feeling I've ever experienced in my life. I cannot wait to do this again. And like right there, I had this goal that I had never felt in my life that was like, I'm coming. I'm I'll be back. I will be back. I mean, it was it was like it was life changing. I can feel the energy. I can see the room. Um, so he, he, yeah. I, yeah, uh, Jill Switzer has an incredible book out. Uh, the new one. Yes. Uh, have you read yes. it? Not yet, but she told me where I can order it. I texted that, her as soon as uh, I heard about it. I, I had her on the show a couple of weeks ago and I'm reading her and I, I just it. got it. I'm reading the book and um, she's and I was just reading just this morning about the passion of a singer. And what you just described is exactly on the pages of what she is talking about. Uh, so this passion that you're describing, uh, even though you were singing, what you just described just now, you would not felt that experience singing prior to that moment? 
No, no, because you, I, I, I had felt the joy and the and the satisfaction of, especially singing the national anthem. Um, although I didn't quite understand the anthem until one time when uh, it happened to be when Hillary Clinton was running for office and she came to Miami Beach and I was um, hired or asked to sing the national anthem at an event that she did on Miami Beach. That was the first time that I got that the song is a question and it's about and it's asking us, oh, say, can you see how possible America is? And so so, any, but anyway, my, my, I'm straying from the point. My point is I loved singing and I loved surprising people or just getting that feeling of like, we're all here together and we're going to get to the end of the free, you know, like I love that part about it. And then at church, I love singing about faith and about hope and about connection. So I always, and I enjoyed that, but it was always, I was always singing around people that I knew and that were supporting me because they knew me as a child and as a student and as a, you know. Um, but when I had an opportunity to sing for an audience that didn't know me from the from the crack of dawn, you know, or it, it was like, oh, they like I they really like like they I I can connect to people through music and really move people. Everything, yeah, everything changed. And that's why, you know, and I have to be, you know, and, I, and that we're speaking and I'm, I'm talking to people out there, potentially people that love singing maybe. Um, we all, I want to do what I can do in this lifetime to change the world and whatever and have a, an impact on the world in whatever way I can. And music is an answer and a, a, a pathway. It's like, to me, like, it's like having pancakes. It's just a vehicle for me to eat more syrup. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, <laughs> so, but, but singing is the, uh, it's the platform and the vehicle for me to tell people how much I love them and how much faith I have in humanity and how much possibility we all hold within ourselves and as a unit of civil as, as people. So, so music to me is, is such a, it's an opportunity to, 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 to share what I have inside of me and my, my heart. So after you had that moment where you said, I can't wait to do this again, how did the opportunities start coming your way? How did you go upon, uh, you, I feel like this is a masterclass for Jill's book. How did you begin to pursue your career? So after the dance, so dance music was, and we did, I recorded another tune with this DJ and uh, 1998 and the song happened to make it to the Billboard dance music charts. I got to number eight on the Billboard dance music charts. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't even try to do this and I'm on the Billboard chart. So I was like, all right, I'm doing, let's, I'm all in, let's do this. So two years later, I started a full-time singing and acting career and um, and just tried to figure it out in Miami. So it, how it basically worked was I had worked in an office. Actually, I worked for the Grammys at the Florida office of the Grammy Awards. So I was learning a lot about the industry. Um, and I knew how things kind of worked in certain business aspects. But, um, but in Miami Beach, I said, well, let me just start figuring out how to find jobs. So I called 
booking agents around town that booked that booked bands at nightclubs and booked wedding parties. And I was like, hey, I'm a vocalist and I'm looking for a band. If you need anyone for anything, just let me know. I would love to work at nightclubs or bars or hotel, whatever. And so he goes, well, do you have a demo? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get a demo together for you. So, you know, you go get the karaoke CDs at the time and you record, I recorded it and I record like 20 seconds of this song and 20 seconds. So I made like a little compilation CD and I sent that to a couple agents. And, and then he was like, all right, well, there's a band performing at this such and such place and this such and such place. I think I went to two or three different venues where the band was performing. And he said, well, just come with like one or two songs that you know and sit in with the band. And that's it. So I was lucky enough to be given that opportunity. And then I did it. And then they were like, all right, we'll call you, you know? And then they were like, and then, you know, they talked to me about what songs I should have. Do you know these songs? And I was like, and all this disco songs, which I thank God to my mom, woo, complaining about the music I had to listen to. I knew all these songs. I was like, yeah, I know these. I mean, of course, songs from the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew My Girl and Lady Marmalade and all, you know, I know all those disco songs. So I, I just had a ball doing that. And then, then I've been, and let me tell you, wedding bands and, and those are like real gigs. And around they Miami, are. there's always tons of work. And I did that for probably about eight years. Um, and, and, and continue to do, I mean, I just did a wedding a couple years ago, but this was, I, nowadays I do, if I do a wedding, it's like, it's my music, it's jazz. And and some of the songs I'm, you know, known for, but I love, I do it with my jazz trio. So I don't get as many calls, but I, I still get the jazz, you know, party bit in corporate gigs and, and, um, and, um, yeah, so be, and then and then I literally because I was performing in Miami Beach at a place called Jazzid, I had been doing a guitar duo gig. My guitarist and I, we just pick our favorite songs from wherever, and did them from Wham to to to, to everybody, James Taylor to BB King. You know, we just did everything. So we had a gig, and they set up a jazz club called Jazzid on South Beach. Imagine a jazz club on South Beach. I said, oh, can you open up our jazz nights? with your guitar duo. I was like, sure. So we went and did that. And then I stayed after and listened to the jazz night. Lo and behold, I'd never heard of jazz. Like I never really listened to vocal jazz before. Fell in love with it in 2002 and was like, here's my opportunity to play these amazing songs. I I just love jazz. And then, then I was like, I can sing two real ballads per set. What? Like, you can't do that in the disco world, in the, in the nightclub world, in the bars. You can't sing about two and three ballads per set. I was like, this is my life. I love, because I love ballads. Um, and that, <laughs> so basically in 2002. Is this when you feel that you found your voice? I found my voice probably four years, three years ago. <laughs> I No, I found my voice. Actually, I did find my voice. Every day, every day I got on stage, I found my voice. You always finding your voice. No, well, Jana, I, I, Jana, I think it's Jana Koch. It's Jana K, but I think it's Jana Koch. Uh, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm not. Um, she just uh, made a comment, and I want to go back to that comment uh, because I'm aware of this. Uh, First of all, Richard, I just want to say I love you. You're amazing. You're so I'm loving this conversation. Well, thank you. Well, I, feel, I, I, I am I'm, too. I'm I am running on at the mouth. So, uh, uh, but sorry. No, well, no, thank you. I I am loving every moment of this. Uh, but she said that she saw you um, a couple of weeks. One of the reasons why we rescheduled, uh, because you appeared with, and I'm going to rephrase this, they appeared with you. 
And that is Michael Feinstein oh. and Melissa Manchester. Oh. And Melissa Manchester, she has been so yes. good to me. Uh, oh. I just absolutely love, love, love Sweet. her. And Michael Feinstein as well. I just two giants in this business. What He's was that experience man. like? So uh, <laughs> what was the experience like for the three of you? Okay, so I'll start by saying I just wrote the thank you letter to Michael like a week and a half ago because it took me four weeks to just to try to reflect on how amazing that week was. Yeah. It was incredible. That's all I have to say. Michael's, I adore him more now than ever before. I had a chance to be with him for basically four or five days while I was in Pasadena getting ready for... Um, for the show. And um, I was looking forward to the show, particularly one, because it's a Pops orchestra, right? So, and it's Michael's Pops orchestra. And I was given all new songs. I had never <laughs> performed any of those songs before in my life. So of course I had heard of Fever, but then all the other songs I had never really known and never saying for sure so that's not it's not stressful it was just a, a joy to prepare for that and you i wanted to knock it out of the ballpark um so i did a lot of work leading up to that um but that whole week was so in, in invigorating for me because it was it reminded me what it feels like to prepare for something and to, i took like three or two or three vocal lessons getting ready for that just for that show and and um, and it was just a wonderful opportunity. It's just so beautiful performing in front of a pops orchestra. So I'm I'm presently working on doing more of that. And 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 yes, fingers crossed that I can. Uh, I'm gonna Michael's. Uh, I mean, you help, mentioned help. Uh, an iconic song like Fever, and you mm -hmm. said this is the first time that you had performed that song. And I remember reading once that Billie Holiday, someone mentioned, you know, let's mention the song, for example, Good Morning Heartache, uh, and that no one else should sing that song but her. Mm. And she said, absolutely not true. She mm -hmm. said, every singer has their uh, feelings of what they bring to it. Yes. And uh, so when you were doing an iconic song like Fever. And I take away, I take that back because it wasn't Fever. I was thinking Peggy Lee, it was Hey Big Spender. Hey Big Spender. Which is even more like demanding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, Peggy Lee had a big hit with that. Um, and and, and yeah. there's a great PBS special on Peggy Lee. Um, and she talks about calling Cy Coleman and telling Cy Coleman that she just had to do that song. And he said, that, it's not a pop song, but she made it a pop song. Shirley Bassey has a Ooh. phenomenal version of yes. that song. And I'm sure that you made your own version of that song. When you are doing a song like this, do you go mm -hmm. and listen to the other singers that did it and what they bring it? Or do you want to shut that out as you're preparing? I always like to reference the original and maybe a few other versions of that recording um one or two times so that it doesn't but unfortunately i had shirley's in my head because i've listened to shirley's version for years mm. um peggy's is so different and sultry yes. and like uh, uh 
And I Peggy. saw both of them in concert. Stop I'm it. lucky enough to see Peggy Lee in concert. I'm so jealous. I mean, there's so many people I missed falling in love with this music so late in my life. But I, I, I man, I, I wish. I mean, that's how I feel when I watch Michael and go to, you know, I saw Lorna Luft and all these, Betty Buck. I mean, so many uh, that are fortunately still with us. But um, what, yeah, so I try to listen to the original and uh, again, and I try to only do it a couple times so that I don't memorize what they did so that I can always find Nikki in the song. And I mean, Nikki, not Nicole Henry. Not, you know, I just want to hear my voice and think of, you know, if you, I don't know, I can't, I look forward to hearing reading Jill's book, but I approach singing no, like, I, like, act, like actors do. You know, you're an actor too, I'm sure. Um, well, Jill just said uh, that you channeled Doris Day even. Uh, now I shouted from the high. Now that one I listened to a bunch because I love that. I love that. That was our, my husband and I, that was sung at our wedding. So that, <laughs> yes. And I had never really paid attention to that song. I, okay, so between you and me and whoever's listening, I am going to work, I I want to work on a probably a Doris Day show, a Doris Day project. But my gosh, what that song was like, I don't, I wish I, I have to show you the video. I have a little bit on my phone. But oh, I love I love that song. I mean, that that's a great that you mentioned that song. I, that blew my mind. I was like, I'm so happy. And that was like the last song I said I wanted to do. Cause Michael was like, so what do you think about this song? And I'm like, I think I love it. I think I can't wait to, cause he, he, you know, he, I, I didn't really get the songs until anyway, it, I, I had to jam. So Michael in. chose the songs that he wanted you to sing. He presented some songs to us because okay. it was a, it had a specific theme and he had the artists in mind. So um, Peggy and Doris, you know, my friends. Oh, wow. That's great. My, my mystical friends. Um, and so he proposed some songs to me and certain arrangements. And so I think I maybe said nah, one or two songs weren't quite me, but all the rest, he's, he's so spot on. Oh my gosh. Michael, Michael is just so beautiful. No, he's Anyone the out there listening? Michael, I want you on this show. So Michael, come oh, on. So I'll, I'll, I'll slide that in. I'll you slide it in, slide it in. So, so um, for the fun of it, uh, I've got some wind down questions uh, and these are just for fun. Uh, Let's do the, it. Word, uh, the word of the day is connection, everyone. Yes. So you will get a CD. Uh, and the first question, and these are just for fun of it. What's the most surprising self-realization that you have ever had about yourself? And is that a question for me or the yes, audience? Yes, for you. The most surprising, revel uh, I, I was taking, you know, part of my growth as a person in spiritual growth. I, I went to, what are they called? Um, some workshops that they had. Um, landmark. I did a couple, one or two, or maybe even three, you know, sessions of Landmark. And I, I found them to be, I, I mean, I, I didn't go much beyond three, but um, I found some of the, what I've learned from it to be really helpful and amazing part of growth, uh, self, self growth. And uh, one of the things they had us do was go to some people. Uh, I think, I think this was, I don't remember. I think it was from them. They said, go to some people that you appreciate, respect and love and ask them what they think of you or something. I don't know. And then, I went to one friend of mine and I said, so, you know, overall, what would be like three words at how you would describe me as a person? And I said, you know, Nicole, um, you're very like calm and you're, you're, you feel, it seems like you're like, you've got it all together and you're, you're very thoughtful about what you do. 
And Richard, that was like the first time in my life that I was like, who the, f- who, who, who do, who, I'm a, that's, that's not me. I'm like, in my mind, in my mind, Richard, I was, I'm like, and I'm, I'm insane. Like in my mind, I, I was insane. I'm a buffoon. Like I love joking all the time. I don't take anything seriously. It was what I thought. So when they told, I was like, who, who, I, I was just so, taken aback. And then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, I guess I could see how someone could think that. And then and like one other person said, you know, another person that I asked about, they said this something similar to me too. And I'm like, I, maybe I do have it all together. Maybe I am like, I have a purpose, you know, like it, it just, it blew me out of the water. So that was a very, that was a very interesting, um, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a clown. My, my dad loves to joke all the time and I love to joke all the time. So, and I'll, and I'll, at the same time, I'm, I, while I'm very sensitive, I, I believe in life. And so I don't worry mm-hmm. about things a lot. So I never took myself that, I don't take things as seriously sometimes as they are, but I really do because I'm, I'm a, like a type B trying to be a type A. So, so it was, it was really life-changing for me to ask those questions of people. And I, I would encourage other people to do that too. It was, but only people you trust and in a way that's beneficial. Don't, don't ever, uh, four agreements. That uh, was another life-changing thing. Uh, no, four agreements. I, I, the book, I, I've got it right up here on my shelf somewhere. One of my favorite I, books. One of my favorite books. I try to quote it and I try to recommend it to as many. That was another life changing. I wrote to him to have him come on my show. His he's he's not doing well. He's still with us, and wow. his wife wrote and said that he was not uh, doing well health wise, but she appreciated my reaching out oh. to ask him to come on the show. That's beautiful uh, that they got back yeah. to you. That yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. But do you know mm. the story about the six blind men and the elephant? No. There's a great fable and six blind men. It's an Indian fable. And they all go to meet an elephant. And afterwards they say, okay, what is an elephant? And one comes back and says, an elephant is a giant fan because he touched the ear. And the other one says, no, no, no. An elephant is a hose because he touched the trunk. And then another one, no, he's a tree trunk because he touched the leg. And the, the, you know, the idea is that it's an elephant is an elephant is an elephant. But six different people had a different idea. And everybody will have a different perception of how they perceive you. Yeah. And, and but but it's a powerful thing to, without bias or without judgment, to really listen to what people who have known you for a while tell you. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 absolutely it, it was empowering to me. If you will, uh, and yes. if. I mean, I guess it could also be eye-opening for someone because maybe someone could have said something that was a little more negative, but helped me say, oh, I need to change that about myself. And if that's how more than one person sees me. So that was a really powerful exercise. But yeah, perception. Is, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Neat. Never heard that. Now, this is the next one is a statement. And it's, I give myself space to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? 
I do. And I think a dear friend of mine who's not with us anymore, Steve Barton, was a, a, I met him in 2001 when I, the first time I sang at this Unity Church in Miami called Unity on the Bay. And he was uh, somebody there, I can't remember what his title was, but he was a beautiful friend. And um, he gave me a page to, to help me have a guide of how to meditate every day. And um, one of the personal mission statements or something like that he gave me was, he, he said, I am the best jazz singer in the world and I'm getting better every day in every way. Now I changed that to, I am one of the best interpreters of lyrics and I, and I love getting better every day in every way. And I thought that last part of that sentence, and I'm getting better every day and in every way. I encourage everybody to tell themselves that every day Absolutely. because you can next the, every, the next day, the next hour, the next minute is always an opportunity to learn more, to grow and to get better. And so I do give myself space to forgive myself for maybe not being as prepared or forgive myself for, you know, my big thing is I love talking, obviously. And so during my shows, during my shows, I have to like, really try not to talk too much because I feel like I'm hanging out with friends that, that like I get this opportunity to have an audience and to, to share myself. And I have to remember that you can't talk too much because people well, are there Nicole, to hear you I sing. think you should give yourself permission to talk more. Well, thank you. Divide, thank you. you know, give yourself that permission to do so. Um, I have this great, uh, it's called a persuasion deck and I pulled a card. It's Ooh. called a fair card. I'm going to read this. And it says, uh, wait, other, that card, that card is called fair? It's called fair. Okay. Yes. Fair. Tell the other person that they aren't being fair in an argument or a negotiation. And uh, we're going to talk about career for you for in a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, when you say this isn't fair, people reconsider their decision. No one wants to be perceived as an unfair person. Mm. In your career, has there ever been a moment when it comes to your career, where you felt that something was unfair and you were able to turn the other person around to get what needed to be done in order to move forward. Wow. That's a lot of, I'm sure there are one or two examples I could give and they're not coming to me right now. Like, because there's a lot in that um, sometimes it's about, you know, sometimes in my past, I've negotiated my own deals for gigs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had to put my foot down and say X isn't fair and stand up to, for, and justify why, Y should happen or Z should happen. Um, and those things have changed. Or I've passed on things, you know, you have to do that. As a, but uh, that's a really good question. And I do, I do like to, to, especially when it comes to business, I like to tell people what I, what I think and what I feel, because why bother doing anything if you feel like it's not fair, you know, or, and, and then nothing's ever going to change if you don't speak up about it. So yeah, that's a good question. I'd have to, I'd have to, that's a, I want you to pose that question to me on paper so I can look at that and think about that. I will. And, yeah. uh, and we'll do this again some other time. And we'll I think that question. I want to ask you one last question. Looking back uh, at uh, this little girl that we saw early on in the show, 
Um, if you were to go back and have a conversation with her, uh, looking back at everything that's transpired in your career, mm-hmm. what would you say to her today? <sighs> I would say make note of every beautiful thing that happens to you every day. Make more notes and remember more. Oh, there she is. I would say, and I would say, tell more people at a young age that you love them. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you, I love you. I really do. So I'm so glad that you did this. I love you back. Thank it was you. so great to be here. I'm Thanks so many work for a moment. We are going to give away uh, a CD. And uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Yeah. I had yeah. a blast. And we'll That's see. Brilliant. Who- I love that you have that. Hey, Tess. Tess. Yeah, this is what. Oh, she's been leaving comments all along. Jana. See, Jana. Do you know Jana Koch? No, I don't think um, so. Uh, Did we meet well, Jana? Did we meet at the- Well, Jana saw you at the, Pas- uh, at the uh, Pasadena. Pasadena. Okay. So I will put you definitely in touch with each other. And uh, Jenna, it means so much that you're here tonight. So uh, make sure that you reach out to me later so that I can put you in touch with each other to get the uh, CD. Uh, uh, So Jenna, please uh, reach out to me later. Um, Don't go anywhere for a moment, Nicole, because I'm going to say my final uh, remarks for the evening. And then you're going to have the final word uh, tonight. Uh, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Uh, as I said, uh, the word of the night is connection. It's all about connecting. Uh, we've all connected tonight on a level. Uh, other people will be able to watch this show later, but they weren't here live. And I know that I can say this for Nicole. Uh, Cole. Uh, we don't take it lightly in this business when you show up. So the fact that you all showed up tonight uh, means a lot to me. So thank you for being here. Uh, I hope that if you had a great time tonight, that you will leave a comment on YouTube after tonight's show, that you will share this with your friends, and you will tell others. Uh, Those of you who know, uh, see the show, uh, I got a phone call this morning uh, from uh, Jeff Harner, who is one of my favorite people in the business. And Jeff Harner said, Richard, I'm calling you because I'm not uh, sending an email. I'm not leaving a text message. I am not. Uh, doing a private inbox message. Because, Nicole, I say this at the end of every show. Uh, Don't uh, send an uh, email. Don't do a private inbox message. Don't send an inbox message. Make a phone call. Go to your Facebook friends list after tonight's show and reach out to the sixth person that pops up and reach out with that phone call and let them know what they mean to you. Uh, As my dear friend Sean Moniger always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, right. <laughs> sure you bring a skipper along. Oh, I love it. Nicole, I'm going to leave the screen. And you've got the final oh, word tonight about anything that you want. Uh, if it could be anything that we talked about tonight that you want to expound upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any message you want to leave everyone with tonight. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for the gifts that you've given to the world, the gifts that you will continue to give, and your body of worth, because you are always worth celebrating. 
and thank you for being here tonight. And I want mm -hmm. to give a big shout out to your mom and your sister uh, who are sitting downstairs uh, at the bar somewhere. Right. Um, <laughs> Waiting so to go to dinner. Washed at this point. <laughs> but uh, uh, you're going to rush out and have a wonderful evening. Uh, thank you thank for doing you. this. Uh, so. Richard Skipper, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. You're a beautiful soul. And I love that the body of worth that was just, you're brilliant. Um, it's been such a great night. Everybody out there listening, thank you for taking time to be with us tonight. And uh, thank you for supporting us and supporting the hope that we all sing about and perform about and uh, sit here on the microphone about. That's why we're doing this. So stay in touch. Nicole Henry Music on social media and all those platforms. Um, NicoleHenry.com. Um, Jana. Tess, thank you. And uh, continue to support the songbook, uh, the cabaret, just great music everywhere and great art everywhere. And uh, much love. Let's continue to take care of one another and love one another. Thank you for that idea. Yes. Tell people that you love them and appreciate them because you never know what tomorrow brings. God bless. Family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.